0: Got yourself a gun Love this song Always will Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the family with
1: Doug Sprinthal And Andy Bernard
0: Great show coming up, got a couple of guests in the first hour Got a guest in the second hour for Car Selling Secrets Life is grand, don't you think?
2: Got a little audio from President Trump
0: little audio from President Trump. Phenomenal. That's all we're looking for. Now I'm going to have to get audio from Steve Simon, too, just to keep the balance of Democrat and That's Republican. Right. We'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh,
2: people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that you know adjusters
0: would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state, so we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Doug Sprinthal, Walser Automotive Group, Walser.com.
2: Well, this is live on Thursday, May 7th, 7th. okay, and it'll be rebroadcast on the morning show. We talked about this today on the morning show. We're kind of kind of a weird thing's going on. There's super strong incentives on new cars. you got a lot of manufacturers with 0% for 84 months. Hyundai's got that deal where if you buy a Hyundai and you lose your job, they'll make six months worth of payments. They're starting to back off these incentives. And the reason is with the plant shutdown, we're, we're starting to run out of cars. I mean, we're not out, out, but if you want to take advantage of some of these unheard-of incentives, you really should start looking in the next week or so. Uh, go to walzer.com. You can find all the details or go to the individual store sites. But it seems odd in the middle of uh, some tough economic times that car dealers are looking at shortages. Yep. Now, when they fire the plants back up, we'll, we'll be okay. But there's, there's going to be a lag. If they open up in the end of May, we won't see those cars till mid-late summer.
0: God. So, weird. But it's, I tell you what, I, and I say it every day, and I'll say it again. Thank you to the KQ Morning Show listeners, man. They, Whether it's you or Bilski or Sabre or Dr. Pete, I mean, you go down the list of all the different people. They are using their services. They're buying cars from you. They, they are, they are I get, amazing
2: I got three people. emails uh, during my drive to the podcast today from... Uh, one was saying thank you, and the other two from listeners interested in, you know, what do you think about this? Is this really a good deal? If you have questions like that, feel free to email me at anytime at dougwalzer.com, at and I usually can get right back to you.
0: Love it. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Don't fear the Reaper, Andy. You know. So I just had a great experience. Uh, I went over to the Cub over here at St. Louis Park by the West End.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I just run over there because I like to walk around. Between the morning show and this show, there's a half an hour now. Thank God I did that because it was driving me nuts. Just yeah. go out and walk around a little bit. It's a thrill. <clears throat> so I'm over at Cub, and I, I'm walking along, and I hear this, Hey, that's Tom Bernard. And I turned around. There's three St. Louis Park firefighters. I went over and talked to them.
2: Sloughing off on the job.
0: <laughs> yes, they were all three wearing masks. By the way, I want to point it out. Was there a fire nearby? No, okay. no. I think there were. There was a fire in their belly to have some lunch. Is what uh. I think it was. These guys are huge listeners to this show and the morning show. Yep. I mean they talked yep. all about their. their all thank right. you so much. For, you know. And look, I'm not trying to rip anybody or any of that stuff. They just, people keep telling me, you guys don't go into the panic mode. It's not COVID, 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 COVID. Uh, you do other things. So thank you so much for doing that.
2: You know who I thought was a rock star this morning was Ray Eric. Oh,
0: yeah, he right. started
2: telling stories, and he told that Slash story, and then he called me up. I said, great story. And he goes, yeah, it was a little long. I said, dude. An overnight guy getting called by Slash who's hammered, and then he has to pay for a hooker's form. That story can go on for an hour, and okay. it's not too long.
0: Uh, Tommy's <laughs> going to show you a picture. Uh, did you see one of the hookers? Yes,
2: I did. I, I texted him back. I said, uh, no, no wonder he quit drinking.
1: <laughs> it's your grandma, well, isn't it? Yeah, no wonder he quit drinking. <laughs> exactly. We got Tim on the phone.
3: Timmy! How are these rock
4: stars functioning in this climate if they all know. are truly staying at home? I have no
1: yeah, for idea. Real. You can't no. do c can't have a your bi weekly Coke party. How do you live? <laughs> <laughs>
4: We can have Coke parties, but we have to stay six feet apart. There you go. Indeed. You do this line and go six feet away.
1: By
0: the way, I did maintain my six feet of difference with the three firefighters from St. Louis Park. And I also told them, you got to watch Tacoma FD because I think you'd love it. Tacoma Fire Department is a show on True TV, it's the Super Trooper guys.
2: Oh, Oh, okay.
0: It's very, very funny. There's a scene in there that the, the, one of the lead guys' name, one of the guys who, that invented the show, his character's name is Eddie Panisi, and the eye fell off that off of his uh his uh. uh I get it. Uh, you know the what, what do they call him, the back of your
1: the fire just, truck? Yeah. No, the back of your, your shirt, jacket.
0: just on your jacket, yeah. wow, whatever the hell they call that. But the eye right, fell yeah. off, and the guy goes. <laughs> Hey, man, I never noticed before, your name is Penis with an I at the end. <laughs> it's like, what are you, five years old? Uh, very. Now, are,
3: they, are
4: they the same guys that did Reno 911?
1: Mm, I don't think so. Okay, I
4: don't know why. I, was, I don't know, confusing the oh, two. It's
1: very similar, I think. And maybe Reno 911
4: is actually back on Quibi.
1: Oh, it is on Quibi. Ah, good move. Look at that. Yeah, it's a good move. Uh, that is yeah. really, honestly, the. if you look at, like, what young people like between the ages of 12 and 22 watch it's all five minute youtube crap boy people mostly well yes girls watch i mean they watch youtube too but it's usually they're more in about the social media but even on social media the longest of those videos is five minutes long all the kids that's all they watch is short little bits like self-contained bits or self-contained you know they'll do Some tutorials or some, you know, look at this dog found its humans after 23 years or whatever the hell.
4: Well, I mean, I I, I was going to say thank you, Tom, for having my buddies on, Brian and Adam, earlier. Oh,
0: nicest guys in the world.
4: Oh, great guys. Yeah, I got to know them uh, through the Twin Cities Film Festival, and, um, you know, they're right. Because I I heard the interview, they, they were explaining about this stuff is cinematic quality stuff. So yeah, you can you can replace those stupid five, uh, five dollars five minute YouTube videos with seven and a half minute chapters of movie quality stuff. I mean, that's, you have to watch Great Cloud Island because it is really really well done. No, I'm not just saying it to say it because they're Minnesota guys; they're really talented guys.
1: And Did you know that Great Cloud Island is a real place in Minnesota? Oh, yeah. and it's not far away. It's it's
2: weird. I used to play golf down there all the time. Oh, no. well, it's, it's kind
1: of cool actually.
2: Tommy, did yeah. you ever play at uh, Mississippi Dunes?
1: Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah,
2: that's great cloud. Island. Love it.
0: Okay, here huh. we uh, Get away from me, Sprintthol. What does it say? Jesus, Palomino. That's all I do. I should be the sales manager of what all someone Walzer say, hey, stores. Tell Doug Perfect. Car.
2: Just tell them, <laughs> <Doug at> Walzer.com.
0: <laughs> do you want on. me to do it? Yeah, send them to DougAtWalzer.com. Uh, <clears throat> you've got a tough life, man. I think I have like seven jobs right now. Yeah. Sales manager at all Walzer stores. <laughs> uh, you don't want that job. <laughs> you don't want that job. Uh, what are you going to do? You're TV. good at a
2: lot of things. I don't know if managing a, a sales force probably would, be not. Your, uh, would be your bailiwick.
0: Unless, can I do this? You stupid bastard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've had some sales managers, and that was their technique.
0: <laughs> that was their technique. You stupid bastard. <laughs> That's very funny. Hey, do
2: we have a minute for the president?
0: Oh, God, you hear about this, Timmy? All oh, right, yeah. Timmy, you no, can stay what, on for two what, segments what today, okay? Can you go and stay on for two segments today, Timmy?
4: Well, apparently you have a guest uh, coming up. I so thought that was, at,
0: uh, that was at like 50, though, wasn't it? Yeah, we got eight minutes.
4: Yeah, we okay, got, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm here till, till the guest, so. Yeah. All right, excellent.
0: All right. In any case, so here's Dougie.
2: All right, well, just play the clip. It speaks for itself.
0: So is the president talking to who?
2: Jimmy Francis, the mayor of South St. Paul. The mayor of South
0: St. Paul. Very good.
3: I was asked to reach out to you, okay, Jimmy Francis, by Chuck Gallup, okay? And uh, he gave me a lot of information about you, and he says he wants to give you the president, he wants the great president, to give you a pep talk. And then I hear that you're the mayor of South St. Paul. And I said, well, I hope he respects the fact that I, as president, like, obviously are like a much greater leader and a tougher person and somebody of more importance. So as long as he respects that, I'll be okay. I said, I'll give him the message if he respects that. So I assume even though you're the mayor of South St. Paul, you respect your president strongly and and with tremendous strength. Um, I know you wear blue suits everywhere, which is sort of my thing. So I don't, you know, I'm starting to feel like maybe you need a new look because if you noticed, I wear the very strong dark blue suit. So I think maybe you know, we could get along, but I need you to like do a different type of suit. Not a tan suit though, that's the Obama, that's like the terrible Obama suit. So don't do that, but maybe just go black suit or gray suit because as you know, dark blue suit is is mine. Um, you grew up in a huge family. Okay, I respect that. I, I've been told I have a huge family. I, I don't even know how many kids I have. I think I have three, but they tell me sometimes there's other ones out there. So I respect large families. And I know you were called Mayor Chaos, which I kind of like, you know, because I came to Washington to shake things up. So maybe, you you know, there might be a place, to be honest, in my second term administration for you, because I'm starting to, as long as you switch out of the blue suit, I'm kind of liking some of the things I'm hearing. I like a Mayor Chaos. And you promoted a lot of construction projects. I don't know if any of them were Trump projects. I I think I would have remembered that. But maybe we could get into business together. You get work for me, and then we can also do side projects. That would be a great, called, it's called a partnership. We could do a great partnership. And uh, really? also on the radio, which I thought, I don't know if you know this, but I was going to start a radio show, I chose not to. But uh, you were the Dutchman on the radio, and you're a great social media person. You have like, I mean, not as great as me, obviously, nobody is. But <laughs> I'm thinking we should work together, terrible. like in the second term, you should come on board with my administration, just switch to a different color suit. And then we want to bring the chaos and the construction projects and the great social media into my administration. So why don't we do that? Stay healthy, stay safe, okay, during this invisible enemy, trademark bending, as I call it, and uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. bending? Isn't
2: that great?
4: I you know, love that.
3: <laughs> this,
4: I, I've, I've seen the guy do that voice. And, you know, back when um, politicians had a sense of humor and you could have somebody yes. like... Uh, Chris Farley did Newt Gingrich, right? Oh God, and, yeah. and then Dana Carvey as Bush, where they actually came to the White House. And I'm wondering if if, if Trump would have enough uh, sense of humor about that. I, I would
2: hope him. he would. You know, I posted the first video on my Facebook page where he's talking about Easter and how Christ's last name was really Christowitz because he's Jewish.
0: Christowitz.
2: And I had I've got a lot of far right wing friends, and they all to a person they all said. You know, I'm a big Trump fan, but that was pretty damn funny.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Which is good.
2: That's hilarious. hilarious.
0: I don't care if you don't like Trump or you do like Trump. That's great. An
1: impression that isn't just like childish mockery is always. (laughs)
3: I'm always
0: welcome. I'm looking at my phone right now to see when he actually does call me. (laughs) That's going to be great. Tom, I understand you're making fun of me on your radio show. (laughs) I'd like to know what that's all about.
4: You're, you're fake news, Tom. Fake, fake news. Fake radio, so, yeah, fake Tom.
0: news, unbelievable.
2: Raised one guy <laughs> from the dead. It was his son, so he was biased.
0: He was, so he was biased. So he raised one guy from the dead. <laughs> Phenomenal. That is a great... Oh, we have to take a break here. We'll be right back with Timmy Lammers right after this. Uh, with the we not
1: What do you mean? We have a guest.
0: Tim has to go. I thought you said the guest was at the, the, the end of the hour. 11.50. Oh, it's now? Tim, can you call back in the, after this guest? Well, I can call right, him. Sure.
4: I mean, I don't want to bleed in the Doug segment, but, you know, no, whatever no. you want me to do. Well, well this was just the whatever. First Andy, segment. Andy, just call me back. Andy, call me back whenever. Yep, uh,
0: that's what we'll do. Can do. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks for your cooperation in this. We, uh, I, I'm sorry. I thought... That was my mistake. I thought that Ken was going to be on in the next segment, not not this segment.
1: Well, 1150 used to be the last segment, and now it's... That's right. I keep
0: forgetting that. That was my fault, but we'll get Timmy back on after we talk to Ken Mansfield, The Roof, the Beatles' final concert. I cannot wait to talk to Ken Mansfield about this. It is up right after this with the family. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you
5: here, Michael. Always a pleasure to be with you, Tommy.
0: just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting
5: Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential.
0: Ooh, I'm having a big day, man. We're listening to little Jimi Hendrix... I interviewed Mike Love for the Beach Boys this morning on the KQ Morning Show. Mike Love's one of my favorite people in the world anyway.
2: Got pictures of a drunken Slash with a hooker.
0: Got pictures it's of drunken Slash great with a hooker. That's and, that's exactly right. and the hooker likes my great-grandmother. She looks just like her. <laughs> uh, seriously, she looks like she's about 80. Well, I didn't know there were hooks at 80. Isn't Slash about 80? <clears throat> well, no. <laughs> you mean his IQ? Well. Ah, slash is a good guy. Ken Mansfield with us. Ken, how are you? Fine. Great
5: to be here
0: great to have you on sir I just I'm having a wonderful day because uh, Ken I should mention from 1977 to 1983 I was the regional um, regional pr- promotion manager for Capitol Records in, in the United States so you know having the having the, the Beatles on you know the Beatles catalog uh, able to use that then having the Beach Boys Mike Love as I said all these different people and then having you on, uh, now, you you ran uh, Apple Records for the United States in the United States area, right?
5: That's correct. In what years were you at Capitol?
0: 77 to 83.
5: Okay. Because uh, I'll just, uh, for your listeners, uh, you had a plum job. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was just telling, it's funny, I was just talking to somebody about that because I was national promotion manager and I started out as a district promotion manager for the West Coast. And the fact that we had the Beatles, and of course the beach oh. was but it was your ticket to everything, you had that bunch of albums in the back oh, yeah. of your car, you tipped the uh, parking lot guys, you, you, you know, you. I don't know, it was just, and of course you were the Beatles guy, so you are the main promotion man around. Oh, know?
0: Ken, I'll, I'll never forget, there's a radio station in East St. Louis, uh, and East St. Louis is almost, I don't know about 100%, but it's... Uh, a very high number, percentage of African-American. Uh, uh, That's where Chuck Berry's from. Yeah, Chuck Berry's from there. That's exactly right. I get a call one day from, uh, what the hell was that radio station there? God, it's got a very famous caller. In St. Louis? Yeah, in, in East St. Oh. Louis, in the R&B okay. station in East St. Louis. I get a call from the program director one day. He goes, hey, Tom, let me ask you a question. I say, what's that, man? He goes, can you, can, would you do a promotion with me? I said, absolutely, we'll do promotions, no problem. I said, what promotion you want to do? And he goes, well, I want to give away a Beatles catalog. I'm like, you're an r and or something,
5: right?
0: Exactly. So here's the best part, Ken, and this means something to Ken, but probably nobody else. He goes, the only problem is, Tom, like, because I said, yeah, I can send you a Beatles catalog. No problem. You can give it away. He goes, only one, one thing, Tom. They got to be cleans, man. They got to be cleans. So Cleans would be not stamped for promotion use only. Ah, yeah.
5: giving them away, that yeah. eh? <laughs> That's yeah. your clue right there what that's all about. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Ken, yeah. great
0: talking to you, great talking, especially about the roof, the Beatles' final concert. You were there.
5: Yes, and uh, that was just uh, talk about, I would think I was just really blessed to be at Capitol in the first place and then to have that evolve into, um, you know, being the U.S. manager of Apple was just, Something beyond my imagination, because I you know I came from the northern part of the United States too, up close in the Idaho Panhandle. Oh, okay. So here's this young kid that came off the, next to the Indian reservations up there, and how I made it from there to the rooftop, shall we say, in London with the Beatles. I can't put that together in my mind. I just because I never intended to be in the music business. That was a dream. That was something I couldn't even imagine. So when I did get hired by Capital, I was working for the Saturn and Severe Space Program in San Diego. Really? And I, my, my degree was uh, in uh, foreign trade. I had a Bachelor of Science in foreign trade. But in college, I got in a band, naturally, and we started playing you know, pizza joints and stuff like that. And got noticed by some people at Capital. And uh, that's where I started the friendship from somebody offering me a job up there. So I go to work at Capital. Uh, the first working day of 1965 in August, oh, God. I got the Beatles in tow, you know. And, uh, uh, and also, they had a day off in California, which they usually didn't have on this tour. And so they invited me up to the house. We just hung around the pool. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, I was a young guy with uh, the date. Now, here's the thing, and don't take this wrong. But uh, they were kind of fascinated with me as much as I was with them. Because, you know, anybody, like the kids in Liverpool who grew up in working-class families, Mm -hmm. what did they see and think about, you know, California surfing, sunshine, the the California girls and all this stuff. And here I was, this uh, 20-some-year-old guy with a suntan Cadillac convertible, house up in the Hollywood Uh (laughs) Hills. Like, (laughs) like, you know, everything they had envisioned all these years ago. it was just a natural, natural thing, and uh, so. <laughs> so, can you took?
0: Did you take the job? So, the Capitol had just signed the Beatles. What, like one year early or something
5: like that? Yeah, it's, I missed the. Uh, well, they they did the '64 tour, so I, right. I I missed that one. So I don't know quite when they got signed before that. I know they they Capitol turned them down a few times yep. because we had we had the first right to any EMI act out of. Out of Europe because we were an EMI company, so uh, we—that's why there's a few other records out there. But it was, and it was still fresh to them. And I talked to this about, about this in the roof about how uh, they uh, were, you know, because I started out with them back then, and they were like still kind of in enamored and excited about what they're doing in the '65 tour. But by the time they hit the '66 tour, when I worked with them, you could see that the, you know. The Frost was on the pumpkin or off the pumpkin? I don't know what the saying is. But, uh, the the, the glim, Glimmer was off the rose. I, I mixed my metaphor, so I better stop right there. No problem.
0: <laughs> the whole thing, Ken, I, you know, it's really great talking to a record guy because I look back at those yeah. days and you, and you just realize how damn lucky you were. Because there is no yeah. record business anymore. I don't, is there? I mean, yeah. I suppose there is, but it's not like it used to be.
5: Yeah. See, I know, I know what you used to do, too, see, without even... Oh, so here we go.
2: <laughs> well, it's it's ba- the business is backwards now, right? It I mean, is. In the yeah. old days, it you, you toured to support the records, and now you give the music away to bring people into the tour. Ken,
0: do yeah. you mind, a, you mind uh, a little language? Do you mind that at all?
5: A little language? Eh, you you know, mean a little, swearing.
0: A little swearing. Just one word, well, though.
5: It's your show.
0: Okay. I just wanted to, I get a, Bruce, yes. Bruce Wendell was the director of promotion. He's the vice president of promotion for capital time, guy named Bruce Wendell out of Philadelphia. Yeah, And I'm Bruce happy. and I got along really, really well. Bruce calls me one day and he goes, say, Tommy, let me ask you a question. All right. I said, yeah, sure, Bruce. What's up? He goes, uh, it's kind of a tough question, but just tell me the truth. You know, we can handle it either way. I said, yeah, no problem, Bruce. What's the question? He goes, did you tell the program director at WHO in Des Moines to go fuck himself? I said, yeah, I did.
5: And he goes, okay, and hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, then, you bet, you bet you got a lot of records there, didn't you? Hey, <laughs> yeah, well, it was the Beatles, about, the Beach Boys. I was okay. <laughs> let me tell you about Bruce Wendell. Uh, he was the program music director at K- KBLA which was trying to make their way as a new rock station and knock out KRLA and right. KHA. KHJ. Yeah. And so when uh, the Beatles invited me up to their house that day, they said I could bring a friend. Mm. I thought, you know what? I think KBLA is going to really rise up fast. I think it's going to be the hit station. So it was for- the fourth-listed rock station in L.A., and so I invite Bruce Wendell to go up with me. Oh, I'm my God, I- Brucey. I will-, I will own this guy from now on. And uh, I did it a great chance that, you know, Dick Morton, the KRLA or KHDA, these people would be mad at me. But I took Bruce with me. And uh, we get up there, and I'm being really cool. And he made a uh, total, well, anyway. He was asking for autographs, kept asking to get pictures taken, asking, you know, it was kind of like a what we call the Nashville, a germ, you know, something <laughs> that just, just, just gloms on the artists and does all those things and just really embarrassed me. So I thought, okay, fine. I couldn't get a record played on that radio station. Oh. <laughs> uh, he just totally tuned me out. And you know how precious some of these little gems you can have as a promotion man that, that gets you in with a station. So oh, yeah. I really, I really wasted that one.
0: <laughs> God, Bruce. We should mention to people that Bruce Wendell, in his younger days, looked a lot like Warren Beatty. Oh, yes. wow. Right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know, was a handsome young guy. But yeah, he was something to work He was a great guy for me to work, work with, Ken. Yeah. But, well, but again, that job, I'm... when you walk in the door and they go, um, for the older people, we got all the early recordings of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. And for the younger people, we have the Beatles and the Beach Boys. And it was like, you're right. I didn't even work ever.
5: Yeah. <laughs> wow. <Well. laughs> terrible. Okay, you and I could probably talk forever about those days, but anyway.
0: No question about it. The book is called yeah. The Roof, The Beatles' Final Concert. Do you look back, Ken, and just go, my God, how lucky was I to have been there?
5: Yes, I was. Uh, I, I try, Like I said, I try to put it together in my mind. I remember when they invited me to uh, come over to London for the first time, uh, getting on that plane and landing in London, uh... And you know Peter, uh, Peter and Gordon were our capital artists. Yep. So when Peter Gordon came to L.A., I was the first guy to pick him up. So I'd pick him up at the airport and take him around. I get off the plane and there's Peter Asher waiting for me with a white Rolls Royce limo to take me, God. you know, to places because he was now with Apple and it was just such a neat switcheroo there. But uh, yeah, it was very special. And you know what? Mm-hmm. What I want people, you you and I are talking about these personal things, and we don't get to. Get, get enough of that for people that haven't been in the music business. Right. In the time with the Beatles, um, and you'd worked with acts that some of them were stars or some of them weren't stars, and the ones that weren't stars thought they were stars were the worst ones.
0: Uh, no doubt about it, Ken.
5: You know, and the Beatles were, once you were inside some inner circle, you know, and there were different levels of, you know, different inner circles, you were one of them. They never treated you like, well, hey, I'm a Beatle and you're not. They were just uh here part of the team, and they were friends and they were you know we worked together and uh that day on the roof for me uh to sit there five or six feet away from them and being only there was only four of us that were up there with, that weren't working and that was Yoko and myself marine Ringo's wife and uh Chris Odell who was peter asher's assistant and To sit there and see the most memorable moment in rock and roll was something, uh, as soon as they started playing, I knew something was happening, but I couldn't put my finger on it because people think I'm daft when I say this, but it was just another day at the office. There was always something going on in that building with the Beatles, with the Hells Angels were there, or the Hare Krishnas, or somebody was recording, or just, you know, it was just every day, so didn't think anything about it until it started they started playing and there was all kind of dissension going on there was really a lot of problems but when they started playing and you can look at the video uh, let it be filmed and see John look over at Paul or Paul look over at John you can see that it's like they said yeah, hey, you know what uh, forget all the other stuff that's going on this is who we are this is who we have been we've been mates for a long time we've had success beyond anything we ever dreamed and uh, this is what we are—a good live rock and roll band. It's what we've always been. It's what we are now. And uh, I've written seven books, but I wrote my favorite line in this book. And I wrote, when they came up on the roof, they came up without a sound check, but they went back down the stairs with a soul check. And I just really think they needed that last moment together, just to, you know, put together who they were. Yeah. You know? And I also. I've got two, I
2: have two questions for you. I'm a big okay. Beatles fan, and, and that's I, I love hearing them play live, which is, you know, kind of rare, actually. Did yeah. it sound that good sitting up there on the roof as it did on the final mix? And the second question is, why is that movie so hard to find?
5: Yeah, it is. <clears throat> yeah, for both of them, uh, I couldn't really hear, you know, like like a really cool, like you're talking about hearing, because it was... Windy up there, and we were getting some things, you know, we, other things we weren't quite hearing. But it was sounding like a live concert, very much. But what I was surprised at is when you listen to the raw tapes, and you listen to what they finished, with, the quality that Alan Parsons got, you know, on the miking up there on that cold, windy roof and the sound and the tuning was so good, it just blows me away. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and that was the second part. Um, uh, how, why is it so hard to find that movie? You know, I was told very early on that they uh, were going to redo that. Mal Evans, before he died, told me, he said, hey, Ken, you're going to be really excited because you're going to be in the new film more because, you know, it's up there with the white coat, so it's easy to spot. But uh, I've been hearing ever since that came out that it was going to be redone. And so I don't think um, to Me, it almost felt like it was pulled or something. I'm not quite sure. because I, I tried to see it sometimes and wasn't able to. I know.
2: Yeah, I remember watching it when it first came out and I've got A stepson uh, who's—he's twenty-one, but I think he was actually born in nineteen sixty or fifty-five because he loves sixties and seventies music. And I said, "Hey, we should watch Let It Be." I looked all over for it. This is about a year ago. Couldn't find it anywhere.
0: Really. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called "The Roof: The Beatles' Final Concert." Ken Mansfield, you got to have you back on again, Ken. We got to we got to have like an hour long session where we talk about the record business and what a skate it was.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it really was. It was magic, and for me to come out of Saturn the Space, you know, the Pro Space program, and go into the music business, I tell people I went from one space program to another space. Program, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ken, thank you for your time, sir. Have thank a great you. day. Have a good day. Sir.
5: Thank you. Bye. Thank you for having me. Get you. Bye.
0: Absolutely. Ken Mansfield, the book's called The Roof, The Beatles' Final Concert. I love doing that. See, I, all those memories came yeah. rushing back, and it was literally Bo Siegel who was working at uh, Electra uh, at the time. Uh, he and I shared a house over in Kenwood, and I don't know if we ever left the house. <laughs> I mean, What's that? It was. I mean, he had Linda Ronstadt. He had. Well, he had the Eagles, I think, at that time, didn't he? They were, what, I can.
2: I can never remember which labels on? on which, unless I can picture it in my mind.
0: I can't remember. He had them all. In any case, we'll be back in just a couple seconds. We'll bring back, Timmy, uh, for his report right after this with the family. Tom here for Saber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Saber and Bryant are teaming up to offer zero percent financing for thirty-six months. Ladies and gentlemen, you go from talking about the Beatles to talking about Tim Lammers. What do you think of that? It doesn't get any better. What's up? Um, Tim Lammers from Liverpool. Tim Lammers from Liverpool. We're here to talk to you today. What, uh, that brought some memories back to me, Tim, talking to Ken Mansfield about the record business back in those days. Gosh. Oh, what a great time that was. Unbelievable. And when I look back and realize that I was only 25 years old when I started that job.
4: Oh, my God. That's crazy.
0: It was. To be around all those people at 25 years old, you're like, really? Okay. Whatever.
4: (laughs) Well, I heard you talking uh, this morning, too, uh, after my segment about uh, you were talking to Mike Love.
0: Yes, right. And then
4: talking about Brian Wilson (laughs) and and backstage and everything like that. It made me
0: very sad.
4: What a a, a dream, you know?
0: Yep. I've had a hell of a life, man whether it's voiceover or radio or record business or whatever. I never had a real job in my life. Isn't that weird? I I guess I was a, I tied iron for a while and I made garbage cans for a while, but that was about it.
4: Yes, indeed. Well, you know, I mean, look, you you appreciate everything that you've done. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and and that really makes for a lot of it, you know. It's funny because um, after I, I hung up uh, today and you guys are talking about Ben Diesel bitching and moaning about oh, oh God, having I'm... to get into shape and everything. And then I sent Brian an article uh, about you know just how he is such of a pain in the ass. Yeah. On um, on the set, you know, at, at press junkets, he's late all the time, and you know he's holding up productions. So they're waiting two hours because he's on a. What are those? Uh, he's like on a scooter or whatever, driving around the set, goofing off and stupid stuff like that. It's like, you know what? I, I, one thing I've commented to Brian, I said, you know what? All this is going to come to an end because the studios have lost their asses yep. during this, this outbreak. <laughs> right. And you know what? The, the time for wasting money is over with. Yeah. They're not going to let these guys get away with this
1: anymore. It's exactly what happened to the uh, video game industry in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. They were putting uh, they had studios like Penthouse Studios with arcades in them and like like ping pong tables, all sorts of stuff. They'd be having $300 dinners every day because, you know, we've got to treat your employees right, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that is the that's a litmus test for a bubble that's about to burst is when that kind of thing happens.
4: <laughs> and boy, did it ever burst. Yep. Oh, wow. It's so, going to yeah, happen. So, so you're actually, you're, are you considering seeing Bloodshot then, Tommy?
0: I think so, yeah, after you descri- uh, describe. I'm not a big Vin Diesel fan because oh. I talked to him a couple of times. What a prick.
4: But you he's know, a I, I actor. never yeah. have talked with him directly. I was on, and I rarely do these things because they're such a pain in the ass. Um, but it was um, a conference call with him one time, and, you know, it just—it was a nothing deal. I got—I asked him one or two questions, and I could have cared less if I ever talked with him again. Yep. You know, I mean, some yep. people are great, believe me. I, again, I, and I'm not complaining because I've had plenty of uh, wonderful opportunities to talk with different folks. But, you know, some people its like, okay, all right, I, I don't need to talk with Ben again.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with you 100%.
4: You know, and he can be entertaining. Again, I think that this is a sort of movie that just fits his, you know, talents, whatever you want to call it. Well, I think he has a great presence in movies, and this is just, it has just an interesting enough angle to make it a little bit different. Again, it started like, okay, RoboCop ripoff, and here we go again, and then, it, and then we find out a little more, you know, some other things that are going on. It's like, well, this is. This is interesting. Like I was saying, it, it was twenty dollars premium video on demand when it came out. After being in the theaters for about a week, I wouldn't spend twenty bucks on it, but definitely, you know, the five or six bucks—it's—it's it's not bad. It's not bad at all.
0: That's the ticket. Yeah, I will give it a. I'll give it. a... I have not seen a Vin Diesel movie in a long time, so I guess I could watch another one.
4: Yeah. Well, I tell you what, the Fast and Furious stuff—I um, yeah. thought at first, they, you know, it was a. Decent enough franchise, and it got silly, and then The Rock came aboard, and it got to the point where okay, these guys are just—they're in on the joke. They know it's ridiculous, and then the last Fast and Furious movie, Vin got all serious again, no, and yeah, that's no. when it looked silly. Um, but The Rock was still in on the joke, and then of course there was the the uh, locked horns, and The Rock called him a candy ass, and. that was all she wrote the rock is out of the franchise because vin's the big producer you know that's his baby so uh you know i I really wasn't excited about seeing this one at all and that was probably a good thing because when you don't have expectations uh sometimes you can be surprised and that was the case here
0: i could see that so beyond your so basically uh, this this weekend because Catherine's not coming back till tomorrow afternoon so i have tonight I was going to play golf tomorrow, but now I found out it's going to be 40 degrees, so I will not be playing <laughs> golf when it's 40 degrees. Yeah, That will not be happening, ladies and gentlemen. But um, I don't know. I'll, I'll be watching. the Identity, I took the lead on that. I guess, That looks really good. It's got Ray Liotta in it and oh, sure. a bunch yeah, of good yeah. people in it. Uh, they want me to watch Phantasm, which I guess is a, this way overstated uh, horror film.
4: Yeah, it's, it's been out for well, decades. It's decades old, but it is really good.
0: 79. Really? And it was out in 79? And then, yeah. blood, and then what's it called? Bloodshot? Bloodshot. What? It Bloodshot. is Bloodshot, so, yeah.
4: But if you can, and maybe you mentioned it on KQ, and I missed it earlier this week, The Last Full Measure. yes
0: i definitely i'll watch that with Catherine, though definitely
4: oh yeah definitely and and yeah especially since she liked midway so much yep um but um i got uh, a handful of folks from uh, kq after the review last week talking about the last full measure and they went ahead and watched it and they all loved it so you know and and of course the questions come well why was this not a hit and you know, it, it, again, it, was, it wasn't in enough theaters. Uh, it just didn't play that long, uh, small marketing budget, whatever. But the way now we can get people to see it is see it and talk about it. That's the main thing. So, you know, definitely see it because it is, it, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. And the, you know those, Tommy, don't they don't come along too often. That so. is a fact. And that in 1917. I mean, it's these incredible true story, yep. uh, The Last Four Measures. You've got to... Again, when Catherine gets back. Where is she exactly? Is
0: she... Uh, uh, she's uh, up at a cabin with Alex and the kids and uh, uh, Katie and, and as Dana. As you
4: say, shoulder to the wheel, Tommy. Oh, shoulder it's to like, the yeah. wheel. So all
0: she ever does is work. It's
4: nonstop. <laughs> no, I was talking about your shoulder to the oh, wheel. Oh, my. God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that
0: makes more sense. I'll, I'll go with you on that one.
4: Yeah.
0: I don't know. So, as long as she's having fun, we're good to go, right? Yeah,
4: that's good. That's good. you got to get away, man. you got to get away. Yep, you do really social
1: distance. It is true. You're talking about like World War II, Vietnam War, you know, all these... uh, mm -hmm. Any movie made about those periods are going to focus at least somewhat on the nobility and sacrifice of the soldiers that fought in there. Yeah. It just makes me think, how much would it suck to be like one of the handful of people who died in like the invasion of Granada? Oh, God, Because no one's going to make a movie about you. No, that's true. But for some reason, dying in Vietnam, dying in Germany, whatever, that's like, you know, you made the ultimate sacrifice and you're a hero forever. But there's all these people who, you know, like in small scale little skirmishes, they still died, but it's like, it's a skirmish that meant nothing. Their death meant nothing and you never hear about it.
4: Well, one thing these movies do for me, Andy, and I'm glad you brought that up, was You know, again, uh, when you see uh, the acts of selflessness, which you do get in The Last Full Measure, obviously it's based on a guy who saved 60 lives, who at least I didn't hear of before this film. But I, I generally leave movies like Hacksaw Ridge and Saving Private Ryan and 1917 and The Last Full Measure with appreciation for everybody who has served. And I try to, you know, spread that message, too, whenever I see one of these movies. It, it just gives you a, a, a great appreciation of the sacrifices people, you know, soldiers mm-hmm. have made as a whole. You know, and it's tough to lump everybody in, you know, uh, but that's really the best way you can do it, because you're right, there are going to be stories that we're never going to see. No. Hell, if it took this long to tell the story of a guy in Vietnam,
3: yeah.
4: I mean, you're right. Uh, something about, the, you know, five people involved in the invasion of Grenada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: For that matter, why do we never hear about the Korean War anymore? No, you don't. Gosh,
4: you know what? Yeah, I mean, uh, you got MASH, and that's about it. Yeah, Vietnam's got (laughs) about 80 billion And that's where my father served. My father was in the Korean War.
1: Yeah, when I was a kid, that's like the war that the uh, older men were, they like served in. There was Korea. (laughs) And then it became, you know, dad's generation is Vietnam, and then my generation is uh, like unnamed skirmish in the middle east yes exactly
3: yeah, yeah. So, all right Timmy. yeah
4: it, you know see that and and again it's i'm glad that you know we're talking about these films beca- again because they're not around for long in certain venues but you know now it's up to everybody that has seen it to, to talk about it and get those stories told so other people can see them
0: We'll get it done. Timmy, thanks for your patience today. I appreciate it. Hey,
4: hey not a problem at all. You know, um, we'll uh, talk next week on the KQ Morning Show and this show. And uh, have a great weekend and stay safe.
0: Sounds, sounds great. You too.
4: Okay. Yeah.
0: We'll be back with the family.